How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Barely There podcast. I'm Duke Coffin. You can follow me at that pod guy Duke on Twitter. As always, I'm joined with Lucas Perfetti at LucasFetti46. Be sure to go follow the pod on Twitter as well. Um, at Barely There Pod. We have a Houston Texan Chicago Bears preview. We have a lot of things to uh get across this week, so we're gonna try to keep it really high and tight. But um, we're going to cover the injury report. We're going to cover what the offense can do better. We're going to cover what the defense can do better. Uh, potentially a bounce back week for the Chicago Bears moving forward here. Lap already jumping on the fact that I'm wearing the Jack Sanborn jersey. And uh, we will talk about that in a second. But first, Lucas, I need to get your intel here on this. Currently, it's sitting for the Houston Texans at a plus two and a half spread and a plus 130 money line. Obviously, on the flip side for the Chicago Bears, it's a negative two and a half negative 155 on the money line and a 39 over under how are you feeling about these odds moving into it and genuinely how are you feeling because uh i just love staring at your just ugly looking face yeah no i mean i'm good i'm actually a little upset you didn't call me the ayatollah of capicola this time i was i was uh i got used to it i'm, so. I'm trying i'm i'm trying to maybe use that towards the end of shows i also don't want to overuse it just because it's just such a fucking it it fits you so perfectly it is such and it's you're a, just it's you're so you're so italian it's ridiculous yeah. I mean, I just had a piece of fucking cold pizza before we came on. Um, but so what I will say is typically for non-gamblers out there, a team that is at home, that's minus three is like a, that's like a normal advantage, right? Like they, that, that means Vegas thinks these teams are even, it could go either way. Um, so like a typical spread would be three. I think it opened at three and then it moved into two and a half. So uh, that means, you know, money came in on Houston right away. Or I'm sorry, money. Yeah, yeah, that means money came in on Houston right away. Um, so you know the Bears aren't even giving a field goal anymore. Um, I mean, honestly, in terms of the game, like overall, I guess I'll just say this, right? Like we we the best coach in our lifetime is Lovey Smith, and I've said on this podcast and numerous podcasts many times, Lovey Smith always, when I was a fan, gave me that feeling that there's an any given Sunday type moment. So like, this is not a, a, an opponent that can, that you can look over because I do believe a Lovey Smith coach team is disciplined, um, plays hard. And is one of those teams that, that can win games. They shouldn't, I think the bears should win this game. Um, but I don't think their opponent to just look past. They do have some talent on this team overall. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't quite understand where people are coming with, with that. Um, I think people kind of lose sight of like how disciplined of a coach Lovey Smith is. And, um, you know, this isn't the Houston Texans of like, you know, that Deshaun Watson sat out of, you know what I mean? That these aren't like completely woeful, terrible teams. Like, sure. This is still the team that traded Deandre Hopkins for David Johnson. And what a third round pick. Like this is still a team that's made some pretty, pretty bad decisions. Honestly, like they just they fired got a lot coach. of picks for Deshaun Watson recently too. So they're a year past the Deshaun Watson stuff. They've already exactly. started I mean, setting their plan without him. And I mean, they ended up firing a head coach that they only had for one season that they didn't really get a whole ton of Intel and uh, have had a bunch of free, uh, front office issues but this season this is a team that has honestly really played teams tough like um honestly they had every chance in the world to beat indianapolis um they really went out they, they went on the road and played denver insanely tough to the point where like i mean i'm not saying denver's very well coached right now because i don't think that's a secret but um it, it's still a denver team that has an absolute ton of talent uh talent on the roster honestly probably more talent than the houston astros 
or Houston Texans have right now. I don't know why the fuck I came up with Astros. Astros. I'm still trying to get over the fact the White Sox are dog shit. But um, anyway, we we roll on. Um, and they're, they're really a team that does play tough. You know, like say what you want about Lovey Smith, like say at Illinois, or maybe that this is a job that he was kind of gifted just because he happened to be a defensive coordinator last season with the team. But like he is somebody that will always, you know, I think you nailed it, Lucas. It's an any given Sunday field. This is a team, and I said it on Twitter the other day to uh, our boy Jeff Schlegel, is uh, this is a team? This is a Lovey Smith team that will always go in and try to punch you in the mouth because this team has absolutely nothing to lose, you know. And that's that's kind of that style that I want our team to play with because, in all honesty, like we are a team that's young and hopefully up and coming that really has nothing to lose. And I feel like us playing freely like that is our best chance to win on Sunday, and um, as well as us, you know, kind of getting hit with the injury bug, but also still kind of having the advantage when you compare it to. Uh, the Houston Texans. So let's go ahead and jump right into this. Um, you mind if I add one more point really quick? Yeah, go ahead. So overall feel of this game, and this ties into the over-under that you have at 39 and a half, that's a low over-under. Um, and it it seems like the under is the pick because if you look at it right now, a stat came out, I think it was Brendan, our guy Brendan, uh, I don't, I'm going to butcher his last name, Brendan S, I'll just say Brendan it. Brendan Sago, I think? Yes, if that's what it is um great guy great follow if you if you want to go ahead and follow him but he put out a stat saying that the the texans have let up 27 points in the fourth quarter now if you look at the team they've let up 37 total points so they've let up 10 points in quarters one through three um and that's you know it's two games and the colts put up most of their points in the fourth quarter so that's a big part of it but you also look at their time of possession they're at 57 40 for the year versus 71 um 71, I'm sorry, 40%. I don't know the actual time versus 71 and 60% of the time. So whatever that would be, right? Um, 71, 40 versus 70 versus 57, 40. You were uh, tossing so many numbers out right now. I'm, I'm going to backtrack. Either way, their time of possession is heavily favored in the opponent. I mean, I think they're 33% total on first downs for the entire year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, they're winning the turnover ratio two to zero. So like this all kind of culminates in it seeming like it's going to be a really fucking sloppy game. That's one by just a few plays, right? You have two teams where their offenses typically are not producing well, three and outs, things like that. The defenses are playing better than the offenses. Um, two same styles of defense, right? Like two guys in their second year at quarterback where they're having struggles. Davis Mills is producing a little bit more right now than uh justin fields but like it, it it lines up to be a defensive ugly game now with that being said everyone in the world's probably picking the under so i would assume um this game's gonna be like a, a 50 you know 54 to 27 game but i'm done with numbers you can keep going no you're good you were just uh you, you were tossing a few too much too, few too many out i, I feel started like getting to the point where honestly, i was trying but... to do math in my head on the podcast i'm like yeah this ain't worth it yeah no i mean you were uh you're kind of having that scott steiner moment of uh just fucking going full-blown like uh how much of a chance the houston texans have it at sacrifice but anyway some people catch that other people won't anyway uh so let's roll let's roll to the injury report and kind of pick up off that point that you brought up like um about it being a bit of a sloppy game I would advise a lot of people for this game to kind of wait until Sunday to make that bet just so you can kind of see what this roster is going to look like, like the the active roster going into this game, because there are like three questionables on the Houston side, 
There are two questionables and a doubtful on the Bears side. So, like, there's a lot of, like, moving pieces here that maybe you're not necessarily trying to make this bet tonight. This is more of a bet you're going to want to, like, hit, like, get up a little bit early, watch Fox pregame show, and be like, okay, what's Jay Glazer tossing at me? This is how I'll bet. You know what I mean? That 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 would be my best advice. Supposed to be 20-mile-per-hour wins on Sunday, too. Yeah, which doesn't bode well at all for the passing game, which doesn't bode well for overall points, you know. Um, but anyway, just jumping into the uh, the injury report here because it is a little significant on the Chicago Bears side here. Um, Matt Adams, the probably the most significant one on here as far as being deemed out. He uh, it seemed like he was a full participant on Wednesday, but then he ended up uh, not practicing at all on Thursday and Friday. So obviously something must have tweaked up in practice. He pulled his um, hammy. Flus confirmed that. Yeah, no, it's definitely something with the hamstring. Uh, so I don't know how long of a situation that's going to be. And obviously, we want Matt Adams back because you always want you always want your starting guys out there, and you always want the depth. Um, I will so I will say though, and I mean I'm wearing the jersey, so I kind of got to bring up the elephant in the room here. This is pretty clear that this is going to be a wide opening for Jack Sanborn to start his first career game on Sunday, which is uh. A little bit earlier than I think uh, I predicted that he would end up starting a game, but I think my prediction originally was like week four, week six around there. So, I mean, obviously this isn't something they necessarily like jumped into. Like this is something that you kind of catch by injury. So it's not something you can be too like thrilled with if you're Jack, but at the same time, it's an opportunity to start your first NFL game. And uh, he's going to have a ton of support out there. So that's, that's really cool to see. And it's really going to be nice to see what he can do with the first team defense, you know? Um, also on the injury report, uh, uh, Dane Crowshank, he's a guy who's been kind of running around on special teams quite a bit. Um, I think he might've gotten some snaps on first team, um, earlier, uh, earlier on in the week against green Bay, but, uh, he did not participate all week. Same thing with the hamstring. So he's going to be out. And then, uh, Ryan Griffin with the, an Achilles injury is, did not participate in practice all weekend. It says he's going to be out. I don't, I don't remember quite when that injury would have happened in the uh, green Bay game. It seems so, like a couple guys got injured at practice this week, which is, tough yeah and an achilles one that's just one you just never want to see a lap i i could not agree with you more jack sanborn's hall of fame career starts on sunday and uh honestly dude i'm gonna get this jersey framed one day because i think outside of friends and family i might be the first one to own one but who knows (laughs) uh but then moving on to uh since like three significant names moving forward where, where there's a little bit up in the air um, Jalen Johnson was a limited participant on Thursday with a quad injury. He did not participate on Friday. It says he's questionable. That's going to be something to really keep an eye on because if Jalen's not going to be out there, you would almost have to assume that Kyler's going to be playing outside the entire game and they're going to move somebody inside the slot in theory. Um, otherwise, the uh, the other move that I feel like that would be would be potentially Lamar Jackson playing outside, but I still feel like you're just far better off getting Kyler Gordon those outside reps anyway, because he's already on the field almost a hundred percent of the time, you know? Um, so we're going to kind of see how that ends up playing out. Do you have a death um, chart in front of you? Um, I don't, I know, I know Lamar wasn't, um, wasn't active for the last game, but I do know that they like him as he, I know they like him as an outside corner. And it would seem Lamar like Jackson is listed behind Jalen Johnson. So, yeah, um, that is like the. Well, kind, kind of like I, kind of like what I was alluding to, Lucas, is if it does end up happening where um, where Kyler does doesn't play like they don't move Kyler outside. They just keep him inside on nickel sets and whatnot. It seems like Lamar would be that guy that would come in because that's kind of how he was being used during the preseason as well. So. 
Um, take that as you will. Uh, good athletic guy. I actually really like Lamar Jackson, but that'll be a really big test for him if he does end up seeing the field, which I'm assuming if Jalen is out, which hopefully he's not, um, knock on wood, but that's going to be a really interesting matchup, especially with a guy like Brandon Cooks going against him. Um, and then Valus Jones, uh, there was some optimism they could potentially play this week. He didn't participate on Wednesday, but he was a limited participant the rest of the week. So while he is sitting at doubtful, you know, crazier things have happened. We could potentially see the uh, official start of Valus Jones' career, but I would assume that that's going to be better suited for next week. Keep him on ice. Like, keep him coming back slow. I don't want him to re-injure it and then be out for four weeks, you know. I, that's my opinion. Yeah, an official official barely there guy for sure, no doubt. Um, and then uh, Roquan Smith, he uh, he looked like he might have tweaked the hip. That's This is something he's been dealing with for a while. Um, and obviously something was up in the Green Bay Packer game, especially once he got to the fourth quarter where something just kind of seemed off with him. Did not participate all week and is sitting at a game status of questionable. You know, I, I'd love to be the optimistic guy and sit here and say that Roquan's going to play or that they're just trying to, you know, get him ready for game day or he's one of those guys that can just show up on game day, which I'm not saying he can't because I truly believe Roquan is one of those guys. But it, I would have a hard time, like, really get, having a lot of confidence that he'll play on Sunday. Um, it would if he did, it would be by necessity, and you don't play one of your better players on defense by necessity. That you know, and especially this early on in the season, you know. Um. Yeah. yeah. Do you have the Texan side of things too, or do you need me to grab it? No, no, I got it. I was just seeing if you uh, see you want to add anything. You're just kind of staring at me with that. Blank. No, I'm sorry. I'm an asshole. I'm looking at the depth chart of the Texans and stuff. Like I'm just looking at Texans stats, still doing math in my head. That's my bad. <laughs> No, it's all right. Hey, man. After after the uh, after the melt after the uh, meltdown a little bit earlier, I'm just glad you're doing math in your head while I'm talking. Appreciate yeah, it. no, exactly. <laughs> um, so there is a couple names on the uh, Houston Texans side of things. Um, Malik Collins is sitting at questionable. He's actually been a pretty good contributor with them. Um, he didn't participate on Wednesday or Friday, but he was limited participant on Thursday. I would say it's it. I'm not. I'm bearish on the fact that he would actually play. Um, Jerry Hughes was listed. He's going to play, um, Brevin Jordan tight end. He's did not participate all week. He's going to be out Isaac Gildome. That's actually a fairly significant one. Cause he's a pretty good contributor on defense did not participate all week. And he is going to be out on Sunday. That's definitely going to be something that the offense is going to need to capitalize on. Um, a couple other guys on here, uh, Davis Mills. I will say he was full participant all week, but he has been listed with a right thumb injury. So potential with the wind, with uh, maybe even not him being able to get all that power into his throws with a thumb injury. That's going to be something that's going to be interesting to pay attention to. Um, Farrell Brown, tight end. He did not participate on Thursday, but he's full participant on Friday. He's listed as questionable. Austin DeSellis, he's an offensive tackle for him. He's limited on Thursday. They shut him down on Friday, and he's officially going to be out. So potentially another spot in the offensive line to be able to capitalize on. And Kurt Hinch. Did not participate all uh, Thursday or Friday. Looks like he suffered a foot injury on Wednesday, and he's sitting at questionable. Uh, Steven Nelson, though, uh, probably their best corner um, as far as, like, uh, resume-wise. He missed on Friday, but he will end up playing on Sunday. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot to digest. Yeah, sorry. I mean, I wasn't trying to just fire it out. I just – I hate being the guy to just list stuff off on the injury report. Um 
So I guess like probably the biggest names I see here is Malik Collins being one of the bigger ones. Uh, that would be a big spot up front that they would have a really hard time filling. He's been a guy that's been a pretty good contributor for them. I really, I really like Malik Collins and what he's done. He plays in three tech for them, right? What's up? He plays the three tech for him, right? I believe so. Yeah. I believe so yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's uh he's pretty good at he's got a nice little pass rush to him too and i mean lovey smith's always gonna have a front, uh, creative front four to be able to get to the quarterback too because that's where his uh that's where his scheme is really at its best is when you can get a, a rush up front with the front four because it allows everyone else to be aggressive um but yeah outside of that uh isaac yield that's a that is that's a significant one man that's something that we really have to capitalize on uh he's been a young young corner for them for a minute i believe so and uh, that's going to be a big, big one. You really have to prioritize. And then Davis Mills, obviously it's not a, uh, it's not an injury that he's going to like miss time for, but a right thumb injury for a quarterback that always just, uh, that, that just takes a little bit, a uh, little bit of RPMs out of the engine. If I could uh, say, say a motorist term there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely not ideal for any quarterback to have an injury to their throwing thumb. I mean, what was that from the uh, opposable thing, the opposable thumb thing, like, how, I don't I forget the movie, but they were talking about how fucking not having an opposable thumb can't work like you can't grab shit. Um, I think it's actually meet the parents, really. But you know well, what I'm just, saying? That's just always been like one of those things anyway, with like uh I think like monkeys or whatever, they don't have like the opposable thumb or whatever, and that's kind of like what throws them off. Really dragged out sloppy way of saying that um it's not good. Your thumb's your most important fucking finger, right? Like try to dr- grab a glass with just your thumb and your ring finger and then try to grab with all four fingers. Not, it's not the same. Um, so not ideal. We don't know the significance of that. Wins are going to be strong. Um, I mean, fuck man. Do we get into the breakdown of the game or what? Yeah. Let's, let's just hop right in. Like I said, um, Lee Collins, Isaac, you uh, Davis mills, Austin, uh, Callis is going to be a big one too, but that's going to all really depend on what we're doing on defense. So, uh, yeah, we can just jump right in if you uh, want to take the lead. Yeah, and especially, I mean, I think, like I was kind of getting at before, I think it it could be a very sloppy game. One thing that the people like Duke and the people that want Justin Fields to throw the ball like 40 times this week, um, one thing that I have noticed is is the Texans give up a lot of rushing yards. They've given up like 160 a game. Um, they've given up a ton of first downs on on – on rushing attempts. So it looks like it's, that's kind of their thing. They've also gotten three sacks a game. So six total sacks and they've given up like 370 rushing yards. So you would think that the running game and the success that the Chicago bears had with it um, might be a a continuance of that theme. Definitely need some well-placed shots, need to get some rhythm um, going for Justin Fields early for sure. Got to make him comfortable in the game. Um, So you're not asking him if something happens where you go down 10 and, there's only a quarter left and you're like, okay, now start throwing the fucking ball. Like definitely got to make sure to work those shots in and get him in rhythm. I think Trent Dilfer actually did a great, I, uh, great interview on 670, the score, or whatever it was. I don't know. I saw a clip of it on Twitter, but I went and watched the whole thing. And he was just talking about how, like he was a fucking gunslinger. You know what I mean? And that, that's why I was saying with you, like I sympathize with you in terms of his development last episode, right? Like wanting him to throw the ball more. Um, but him, Trent Dilfer being a gunslinger in college and going into a structured, hey, we don't want you to throw much. 
he said it's 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 difficult like it's a difficult thing to do to get into a rhythm when you're used to being the man throwing the fuck out of the rock and then kind of being in this very limited role where he he phrases it as you are an extra like an extra or a side character in a movie you're no longer the the main character right like um and it almost feels like you're an outsider in the offense while you're the one that's actually running it and control, you know, you're the one that's going to take the blame for losses, things like that. So really good interview. I would, I would recommend checking it out. Um, but yeah, man, I think, I think realistically, like when you look at their rushing defense, um, the possibility that their best defensive lineman might be out, like I would assume that the bears game plan is, is to get after him with all that being said, I mean, Eberflus, I feel like one of the most reoccurring themes in his press conferences this week is highlight the skill, highlight the skill, highlight the skill. You've heard it a hundred times. We need to highlight the skill. We need to get Mooney targets. We need to get Komet targets. We need to put the ball in Monty's hands. So hopefully that material materializes because I'm actually playing my buddy who dropped Cole Komet after he got two goose eggs. And uh, I just picked up Cole Komet because I was like, yeah, dude, he's going to be the one to put the fucking dagger in you. This is what you get for cutting him. <laughs> yeah, man, that's uh, I've been I've been kind of sitting on Cole Komet as well. Um, so I guess I guess to kind of pick up off of that with the rhythm point is um, I really want to see. And I said this after the 49ers game because I knew um, I know Getsy still kind of fresh with the with play calling. But, like, I can't get over how good his scripted plays were. Like, how good his scripted drive, especially against the Packers, was. Just, like, being able to mix it up, being able to keep teams off, like, keeping the defense off guard. Like, I really liked being able to run the football and then getting Eknamary St. Brown on the left hash. You know what I mean? Like, I love being able to do that. Keep the defense off guard. Because it seems like once he starts hitting trouble, and uh, this does fall on Justin Fields, you know, not necessarily being able to make the layup throws that he was you know that he missed last week you know there's no denying that but what I really want to see from Getsy moving forward in play calling is I really just want him to be able to stay in the same rhythm this entire game you know what I mean keep it keep it mixed up consistently you know what I mean don't get pass heavy and then feel like you have to make up for it by running the ball a ton don't like uh I guess what I would say is don't pay attention to the balance too much just make sure throughout the course of your play calling that you're staying balanced on a play-by-play basis and I feel like everything else will even out like I feel like being able to just mix in passes with being able to be heavy run like rev a heavy run team like because I would not mind watching like seeing us run the football more than we threw this week just based on the uh, performances of Dave Montgomery and Khalil Herbert in both games this season like really really try to win the line of scrimmage especially if we end up getting and th- we didn't even talk about this in injury report but like Lucas Patrick starting at center will be oh, huge yeah, yeah that's the run huge. Game. Yeah, like it's, it's it's going to be absolutely massive. And uh, that can that can be something that can really be capitalized on because the biggest thing that I've, I've brought up and I keep I keep going back to the uh, St. Brown touchdown against the 49ers is just the lack of the setup play so far in this offense. But when they hit, they just are they're phenomenal, man. And like that's where you get guys like Aaron Rodgers who got one on us. You know, that's where you see like a guy like Pat Mahomes because he'll go to Clyde. 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire like so fucking often. And then he'll just hit a fucking play action to the right. And nobody will be able to cut. Co- nobody, nobody can cover that because they have to be able to cover the inside and cover the inside zone out of shotgun. Like that's where I really want to see this offense continue to take a step in the right direction. And I think, I really think Etsy can do it because I've seen this type of offense be run with the green Bay Packers. Um, even, even the Packers offense a little bit on uh, this past Sunday, you know, fluttered. And the only reason I'm bringing the Packers up is because that's like the direct comparison scheme wise that I can make to our offense, because that's where Getsy was for that long. He's a passing game coordinator, all that fun stuff. So that's really the direction I want to see to us continue to move in. Like, I don't, I don't even care about the balance, dude. I, I would, I'm a run first guy, dude. I was, I played offensive line. Like I, I'm all about if you can line up and run it down somebody's throat and they can't stop you. Like I'll fucking call the same play 12 times in a row. If it can't be stopped, you know what I mean? Like I'm all about that. I'm not a big stack guy when it comes to, uh, comes to quarterbacks. I don't need that to be able to win football games, but, I do like the idea of being able to set the tone up front with the absolute mollies like Tevin Jenkins and Lucas Patrick and Cody Whitehair, who's very strong in run blocking as well. And a guy like Larry Borum, who's probably at his best when he's run blocking, like being able to have those guys up front, you know, cause I feel like Braxton um, projects better as a pass blocker personally. Um, I feel like being able to have that really sets yourself up for good play actions. And I really want to see the flood concept again this week. Cause I did not see it at all last week. And that's something that I really feel like can be, kind of a big hitter for this offense, especially for a receiver room. That's not necessarily on the most talented side of things, I guess would be the nicest way I could put it, you know, just get, get your guys in space on pick plays. Like that's, that's the best way you can get guys open in this game. Well, and I feel like he really showed that he being Getsy, like in his last um, preseason game, it's just weird that we're kind of going backwards, right? Like we saw a flood concepts. We saw a deep scissors concept that was really nice. Like, I feel like we're not seeing a ton of that. Um, it was on like a third and 15 that Justin Fields converted. Like we need, like, yes, there is um, some credibility to saying like Justin Fields needs to get the ball out faster and has to be able to run a short game and a quick game. But like you also highlight the skill, like Flus is saying, like drink your Eber fuel you have to be able to put this kid in a good position. Like we don't want to see the same shit. Um, and I think Getsy does have that ability. It just, I don't know, man. It's just strange to me. Cause it, it seemed like that maybe the first half was scripted in that last preseason game. I know they're running vanilla defenses. So things look di- di- different, but I don't know, man, he was way more aggressive on fourth down and third and short calls. He was just like fucking running f- five verticals, right? Like whoever gets open. So it's just strange to me. Um, I still have that really bad taste in my mouth about that fourth down play at the goal line. That was disgusting. But I think, um, you know, I think we should be really excited about what the interior is going to look like. I, I think they have potential to be a very, very, very good unit inside. I know Borm's had a couple struggles. Um, I know Jones has had some rookie moments, but that interior should be pretty fucking sound. Um, and I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see, Jenkins and Patrick on the field at the same time, of course, with Cody Whitehair. Yeah, I I really think that interior really has a lot more potential than people are giving it credit for. Um, I've been really excited kind of seeing the updates of uh, Lucas Patrick snapping the football. Um, Obviously, he had to make the comment when he was asked directly that that was outside. It's outside of his pay grade to decide whether or not he's going to be playing center this week. But it feels like all signs are kind of pointing there. And man, I'm just so happy not to have to fucking see Sam Must for on Sunday. Like, knock on wood, I, I I just don't want to see Sam Must for on Sunday. I don't even want to see him paying to the two on the sideline. I don't want to see him during warmups. Like, 
like put a blank fucking jersey on him just so I don't know who that is. Because uh, he just he's been he's been that bad. He really has like and there's just no other fucking way to beat around the bush on that one. You know what I mean? And this isn't like, a oh, we're coming in this year with high expectations of Sam Musfer. Like, that's just what we've known of him. And I'm not just sitting here trying to bury him like I'm wearing a 57 jersey. I'm trying to tread really fucking lightly on the Sam Musfer fucking slander. But, yeah, the uh, undrafted. I mean, dude, I like a good undrafted story. And initially when he came in, he provided a good surge. But, you know, he's I feel like we've seen kind of what his ceiling is. Um and it's he's just really not sh- strong enough. I hate I hate to say it, but he's just not strong enough to play the position. I feel like that's his issue. It's not really a technique thing. It's not you know he's not in the right position. It's just he's um you know fifty percent of the time if you're losing on on pure just guys like bullying you that's that's not good, especially for your quarterback. So um and also you got to think too like everything started with Patrick. All of OTAs, all of training camp was with Lucas Patrick. Like. It's not like there's going to be an adjustment period to Fields taking snaps, right? No. Like he's he's more used to, well, he's probably pretty used to Sam Mustafer too, but um, from last year. But overall, he he's you know this is what he was supposed to be doing. This was this was how it was supposed to be. Lucas Patrick's going to take those checks and those calls, and I think it's going to actually help with a lot of wrinkles, right? Because last week we talked about how rotating Patrick and Jenkins kind of gave some tells of hey, this is when we want to pass a little bit. This is when we want to run a little bit more. Um, I think now you have that, um, I guess, what do you call it? There's no, it's, it's, it's not as transparent. Um, you know, the, the glass is foggy. You're able to, to add those wrinkles in. And I think have a lot more of those setup plays because you're, you're not rotating those guys. You don't, you don't have the tells. I think, I think you said it really well in the last episode was like, you don't have that tell of like Lucas Patrick coming in on pass blocking. Yeah, exactly. Kevin Jenkins going to be in on the run blocking snaps. And that's, that is dude. And that it just makes for a good mix up front, dude. Like that, that's as simple as I can put it. And honestly, I don't think Tevin is really like, I don't think he's limited as a pass blocker from guard. I don't think he's shown that really at all. It's just more or less like, I feel like they were really kind of playing the whole ramping up game with Lucas Patrick. Well, I mean, I think it has to do with the calls a lot too, man. Like, and I think it's going to help fields play a lot looser because I would worry about protection. Like that's, that's something that he maybe was a little bit more concerned about when, when um, Mustafer and Jenkins were side by side and they were calling a pass play. Um, I'd love to actually see the stats on when, or all the sacks, like how many came when Patrick were in and how many came when Jenkins were in. Well, and I mean, even to that point, dude, that, which that's actually a pretty good point. It's actually, it's really nice having both Lucas Patrick and Cody Whitehair next to each other to be able to make those calls because those are two guys who have made calls a lot in their NFL careers. So that uh, that's that is a really strong point, and I think that helps a young guy in Tevin Jenkins, who while he's played really well so far, and we've been raving about Tevin really ever since he's taken the right guard spot, like it's still a fairly new position to him that he's a- accumulating himself to. Like, and I feel like he's not going to be there probably till mid season. You know what I mean? Maybe even like week ten before he's really going full go, not thinking at all about what he has to do on every sing- like every single play. So I think uh, I think Lucas Patrick, it's only a positive. It is only a positive. Um, you know, but I guess to really encapsulate like the offense in general heading into this game, like the Houston Texans, like I know you brought up the rushing, rushing yards, but like they just give up yards like they that's just, give up passing yards too. Yeah, 
Yeah, and it, it's strange talking about a Lovey Smith defense, but like he just isn't dealing with the talent that he's normally accustomed to. So it's definitely there's definitely like we talk about growing pains. Houston's dealing with growing pains as well, and it's something that uh, Lovey Smith's really just kind of trying to uh, dig his hands in and really kind of set the culture and see who's going to end up being on this team long term and what or who's going to really fit in this defense. Um, and they do have a couple decent DBs, um, but I will say that they're they're depleted. I think they've had a couple injuries. I'm not sure. At Steven, I think Steven Nelson, he, like he's not necessarily like a household name, but I've followed his career quite a bit, and he's, he's a damn good. good corner. I think I think that's what I'm saying. I think their corners are pretty good, but their inside linebackers are lacking. So I would assume that we're going to try to work the fuck out of the middle of the field. Um, and hopefully that's that's a big part of why I'm starting Cole Komet in fantasy too, because I think – I don't know, Bears fans. Um, I hope this is Cole Komet getting like a – just give me like a 75-yard game, right? Like just give me some some production um, with the combination of their lack of – their lack of interior presence in, in, uh, in pass drop zones. Um, you know, this should be a game for, for Cole Komet to really do some damage, and I hope to God he, t- he takes advantage of it, especially in combination with Flew saying we're going to highlight the skills. And he mentioned Cole Komet. I want to say more than Darnell Mooney. Well, dude, and in in all honesty, dude, this is just a game where I feel like the offense just everyone everyone needs to kind of fucking just kind of show up this week. In, in all honesty, like this is a great opportunity. Like I'm with you, Lucas. Like I love Lovey Smith. By the way, shout out to Lovey Smith. Like one of my favorite Bears coaches of all time. Honestly, he doesn't get enough credit for being like what num number three. I guess I think would I would put him as like the all time Bears coaches because it's Hallis and Dicka. Yeah, um, he's definitely there, and I hope he gets like a really fucking warm ovation on Sunday. Which if you're going to the game, please do so. Um, but this is really a game where I feel like the offense can just take this step because like I watched enough of this fucking offense last year, and I'm not saying there's it's all the same pieces because it's obviously not, but there's enough like like pieces like the same pieces that came back from last year that like, I just don't believe this offense is what it's output has been. Like, I feel like there's just gotta be this tipping point where it's like, okay, we're going to go out there and we're going to have a game. You know what I mean? Cause I feel like dude, I feel like Cole Komet's losing sleep about the fact that he doesn't have a catch through two weeks. I know for a fact, Darnell Mooney is not feeling what's fucking happening on offense. And, you know, I really hope, and this is something to kind of even play into the whole Justin Fields point, because obviously he's just been the biggest point of conversation about this whole process is like he didn't necessarily play great against the 49ers, but he didn't get any of that like shade at all. It was all Justin Fields better than Trey Lance. Won. They won the game. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, and I, I'm not I don't want to like sit here and put shade on him for the 49ers game. But like, I feel like he was just I feel like this entire team was like rolling on cloud nine in a game where they got justified a little bit too early. You know what I mean? Because of like, say the weather and say, you know, external factors that worked in our favor. But like, I really am hoping, and I alluded to this on the last show, I went on a little fucking, you know, meathead rant, dude. I was kind of thinking about playing like the star spangled banner in the back of it, just as I was fucking freaking out. My face was going red, but like, I just want, this to be the wake up call from what like last week. I want last week to be the wake up call. That's like, okay, we got that out of the way. We know where the fuck we're at now because we're not with we're not standing fucking 
toe to toe with the Green Bay Packers. Like we were feeling good after the Niners game. That was the team that beat the Packers. But like we're we just got a big old dose of reality. And now we just need to start focusing on what we do fucking well. Go out there and be a respectable offense, be a respect respectable football team, and just start start getting start earning respect around the league, man. It's that simple. You know what I mean? Like you don't need to go out there and, and fucking win every single game, but you need to give a hundred and ten fucking percent every single snap. Our boy Scott Crawford actually alludes to it perfectly dude right out of the gate let it fly go i don't know what 999 means but smack them in the mouth any given fucking sunday like that's that's what this team has to be it has to be showing up every single week whether you make mistakes or not you just got to keep fucking rolling well and you can tell Eberflus was very displeased with the effort and i'm sure that's why a couple guys popped up on the injury report from practice i'm sure they fucking went nuts this week at practice because he was pit like uh, never mind. Dude, he was he was, was in House Hall. Just, he was in House Hall the second they got back from Green Bay, just fucking pounding Eber fuel. Oh, like dude. I'm talking putting pre-workout on there, like like on the table, drizzling it with all juice. I think and he fucking, just had a half empty and thing. Just fucking fuel. ripping them right off the fucking table. That's like, dude was fucking probably just doing nothing but squats and fucking bench for four hours straight. Like oh dude, I my guess is he just boiled some au jus and then dumped it into a half empty container of G fuel, shook it up, burned his mouth. But um, hammered the entire thing in one sitting. 100%, no, he was very like, displeased. Sweating fucking white fat, guaranteed. Yeah, there was like a, he even mentioned in his press conference, there was a second and 27 screen that they got, I want to say 18 yards on or something crazy like that. And then they converted on third, went down. Like that was a huge point in the game too. Um, so no one is innocent for last last week's loss, but I mean, yeah, I, I think you're 100 percent right. This is a this is a winnable game, and really, when you looked at the outlook of the season and you were making your season predictions, you looked at this first quarter of the season and you said, if they get out of this two and two, like, you know, things could be good. And realistically, they caught luck by getting Trey Lance in his first game because Jimmy G comes back literally the next week, and San Fran looks like they're clicking on all fucking cylinders again. So Bears got really lucky with that and to pick up that win. So let's 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 keep building on that and go three and one through this first quarter of the year. I think the giants are better than people projected them to be. I think the Texans are, you know, better than people projected them to be not great, but not, not good. What they're. Oh, Oh, one and one. one. That tie was tied with the Colts. They, yeah. But they've been melting down in the fourth quarter and you can't depend on, Hey, they're going to melt down again in the fourth quarter. They've been keeping people out of the end zone. They've been getting turnovers. They've been getting sacks. Like their defense will get after you if you do not go ahead. Like this is not one of those games to play around with them. And I don't even want to say play at their level. Cause I would say in terms of rosters, they're we're comparable, right? Both in a, a reshifting type phase. Um, so this is, this is why it's a good gauge, right? This is a really good measuring stick. If they come out and punch these guys in the mouth, then you're like, okay, we're a little bit better than we thought we were right. Like we're, we're a year past um, Houston and they're in their second year of the rebuild. So maybe we really can't, like, I think this is a, a big momentum game, not only for right now, but looking at the future. And then that salary cap starts coming into play. You're like, okay, we're actually better than a, than a team that's fully stripped down. Like there is some, there's some shit we could work with here. So I'm really just excited to see what the bears are able to do. And I, it, like I said, it's not one of those teams to, to play to their level, uh, quote unquote, but because it, it could be a game that you end up losing. You got to come out and you got to act like you did the last time you played the Texans when Deshaun Watson was still there. Just beat the fuck out of them, dude. Because I I have a feeling if it's a very close game, it's going to be a game that the Bears lose. Like they need to win this game handedly, or I think it could be a, a game that Houston steals. Yeah, plus like 
don't just don't play with your food, dude. Just fucking eat it. it it's that simple. Like I, I like I like that you brought up the last time we played the Texans because honestly, before that game, our record against the Texans was just fucking terrible for no particular reason. Like it's I always think of, uh, sense, yeah. I always think of David Carr in like one degree weather finding a way to fucking beat us when we were like actually pretty damn good. So like it, it's something about the Houston Texans, but like it's, I, I think you brought up a couple good points there. And it's why, like, me and you have just been really fucking realistic through the whole process. Like, we're honestly on the high end of, like, predictions as far as, like, the national media goes. When I say this team will finish 7-9 and nine, or 8-9, uh, and nine, you say this team will finish 9-8. and eight. Like, I feel like that's just best-case fucking scenario because, like, like you said, and Houston's kind of in the same ballpark as us, is, like, there's pieces on our rosters. But, like, it's not a – it's not just – it's just not a complete thing yet. You know what I mean? Well, even with a sh- – even with a shitty – like play caller. There were there were teams last year on the schedule that you could definitively say our roster is better. We should win this game. I don't think you can really say that about many teams this year. Like I said, there's some comparable teams like a Houston, but I don't I don't think you can say that where it's like they should go in and beat the shit out of them. That's why it yeah. worries me a little. Well, and honestly, a game if you want to look ahead to it, and like I know people will roll their eyes to it, but it's like that's why like I really want to see us really drive home the fact that we're playing hard on every single snap because like a team like the Detroit Lions will take advantage of something like that because they are they've been they've been taught in that sense dude and they show it on paper you know even games that they're losing they're going full bore all fucking game finishing to the football playing hard because they know they have absolutely nothing to lose and like that's just something that I just want to continue to preach both on offense and defense like you have nothing to lose you genuinely like if you can't make it on the Chicago Bears in 2022, you're probably not going to get a lot of opportunities outside of here. Like that's that's just flat out the fucking truth for guys who are trying to make this roster for next year or trying to get a contract or whatever. Like if you don't play well this season, you're probably not going to get a lot of flyers outside of here. So like a lot, my best advice to these guys would just play loose, play hard, go hard every single play. Like, take advantage of the fact that you probably have the slightly better matchup here. Take advantage of mismatches and just fucking leave it all out there. Like, don't toy with the Houston Houston Texans just because they are considered a bottom-feeding team That because they're at the lower echelon of the league. Because we're not – we're closer to the Houston Texans than we are far away. And, and yeah. you just need to be able to get, ahead, get out ahead quick, stay ahead, have defense lock it down, and really just take it to them. Like in our eyes, we're not uh, a bottom feeder team, but in the eyes of everyone else, they, they, the Bears are. So they were comparing us to the Seattle Seahawks. It's too toilet bowl. It's that's what people are going to be labeling this. Oh my God, it's the toilet bowl. It's Davis Mills versus Justin Fields. Blah 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 blah. It's blah. Uh, actually my boy urinating tree on YouTube. He he'll refer to it as a tank bowl. Hundred percent. Yeah, like it's it's it, it's just one of those games, right? So even our perspective might be different, but from a national perspective, yeah, it's looked at as two very bad teams playing each other. Um, so yeah, no, it's just something you you have to go in there and win. Like I'd be very worried about the trajectory of this season if they went in there and threw up another fucking stinker because there's going to be advantages to be had. Um, and like you said. The, the defensive backs are pretty good in terms of their corners. So I don't know if this is necessarily like a Mooney game or in a Pringle game, but even still with, with Stingley being the third, third overall pick or whatever he was, I, I think, you know, he's a rookie. He's going to have a chance to be exposed. He's not like some lockdown corner 
entering the league. So um, I don't know. I just feel like that middle of the field is going to be wide open. And if the lap is right, bold prediction, first play of the game will be a play action and they'll take a deep shot. They'll set the tone. Lovey's going to try to stop our running game. If they really are trying to stop the running game, I, I do like, I think that, um, I think that that middle of the field, our slot receiver is going to be able to be well. I guess more Pringle is our slot, and I would say ESB is kind of the outside X guy. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe ESB and, and Mooney don't produce that much, but I, I truly think that's why I hope Jensen's healthy as well, because I truly think both tight ends need to be involved a lot because um, that's just where their weakness is. It's just plain and simple. Just expose their weakness. Don't play with your food. Just eat it. I like that term a lot. I like that yeah. term a lot. It always reminds me of Harbaugh, right? Like he had the one interview where he ran 13, he ran the ball 13 times in a row, same play. And they were like, why did you stop running it? And he was like, because it was a touchdown. Like if sometimes you just got to be a dumb football guy, um, which luckily we don't seem to have any brainiacs. We seem to have a lot of just cock and balls guys. Like, you know, yeah. Just and I mean, dude, honestly, like I, that's, that's stuff I used to do in freaking high school ball. Like we would have, we would, we would play teams where we would be putting up like fucking 56 on them by, by the end of the third quarter, because we would hit points where our power play with me taking a linebacker and my guard and uh, my guard taking the down lineman, they could, they just couldn't stop it. Like they, they knew what we were running on every single play. They would try to defend against it. They would even load our side and try to make like confuse us. We just add a tight end to the end of it. We would continue to run the exact same play because they just fucking couldn't stop it. And while like, obviously like guys like Matt Nagy who like to reinvent the fucking wheel are probably like ripping any little fucking hairs out of their beard. Cause they have none on their head over the fact that you could call the same play that many times in a row. But like, dude, if it works, it works. Like, and that's like, I know it's just the most meat and potato shit ever, but like, that's the type of like culture we need to build with this team. Like we need toughness. We need that type of like, we're going to win line of scrimmage and we're going to dare you to fucking stop us. And then when you finally do load up that much to stop us, we're going to kill you over the fucking top because Justin Fields is at his absolute best throwing the ball downfield. So like, that's, that's really the key to success for me. Um, And yeah, dude, it's, it's, it's just football, baby. It's, it's, it's that simple. It's just football. You want to do bold predictions and uh, and and uh, score prediction? Yeah, um, Eddie Jackson will have an interception in this game. Okay, that's that. That is my bold prediction. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not there yet. Where I uh, maybe like called my shot in the past and almost fucking nailed it because I don't want that shit to get called back. But I think Eddie has even in the Packers game was having a really fucking good time of it. And uh, he just, he looks back to, he looks like his old self, dude. Honestly, like he looks rangy. He looks like he's not worried about, he's not looking over his shoulder about what. He got shouted out by Eberflus too. Yeah. He got shouted out. He said he, he got complimented for his hitting on Sunday um, by Eberflus. So that was a, and I think he was the honorary, I think he's the honorary captain this week. Yes. I'm not mistaken. So he had a great game last week. Definitely keep it up. Um, Fuck. Even, I wish it was a little bolder and you said a pick six, but I'll take the interception. Hopefully for our sake, it's a pick six. I am going to go ahead and say that Cole Komet has six receptions for over 70 yards. No, over 85 yards and a touchdown this week. And the touchdown's not going to be like a, a, you know, a broken play for like 35 yards. It's going to be like a true – red zone set where they fucking give him a jump ball and he's going to come down with it. He's going to have a rebound game. Cause if he doesn't dude, I, I love the story kid from Arlington Heights, like playing for the bears, fucking hates the Packers, loves the team grew up. Like I, I want this so bad 
for him. Um, but you got to produce, man. At the end of the day, you got to produce. Uh, it's cool to throw a great block every once in a while, but to be a two-way tight end that like you were drafted to be, you're in year three now, right? This is the year you're supposed to be coming out. Um, and it's deterring to see that that he's not playing that well currently. Well, at least he's I not mean, getting the opportunities, but who's getting I, I went to go look at the separation stats, dude, to be like, oh yeah, does this coincide with the with the pressure stats that we've been, you know, like is no one getting open? What's the separation stats? You need eight targets to to be uh recorded, and the Bears ha- don't have anyone with eight targets. So yeah, like and, and that's that's that just kind of goes into the fact that like we just we don't have a, we just don't have a sample size yet. And it's like, I was saying a little bit earlier, like it's so weird because we watched this offense play last year. We watched Cole Komet have a pretty good fucking season. All things considered. We watched Darnell Mooney put up fucking good numbers. And we saw games where Justin Fields looked like a legit fucking guy, just wheeling and dealing, you know, like that Pittsburgh and even the 49ers game last year, the two games that always come to mind to me of like games where it's like this guy, if he plays like this, every game is he just fucking arrives. Like, so like that's why like this the start of the season really sucks on offense right now. But like it's just something has to get because we've seen all these guys that aren't producing produce in in my opinion a lesser offensive system. So like it it just it feels like we're just like we're I, I don't even want to say we're close because like the Packers game was really fucking de- like I think the grading on offense, but like we, we, we fucking, it just, it has to break, dude. It has to break. Like, there's no way we're going to be the worst offense in football. I just do not buy that. We're like, I don't know. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I hope to God, not for everyone's sake, because it doesn't look good hiring a fucking defensive coach and not having Brian Dabble as a a finalist and Daniel Jones looking like he's pretty decent now. Um, So that, that would be, that would definitely be a tough pill to swallow if the bears were 32nd. I don't believe they're going to, I think right now they're on pace to be 32nd though. um, At least in terms of the passing offense. So by by a wide margin right now. Yeah, I don't. uh, Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, But I don't see anything crazy happening in terms of the passing game this week. I do think it's more of a running week. I think the giants next week is going to give the bears a lot more of an opportunity to air it out a bunch. Um, But like, even still with Cole Komet, I know, I know. Um, even still with Cole Komet, um, where are the tight end screens? Where are the rollout plays where he's running with Justin Fields? Like, where are those easy – like, he gets the ball in his hands and he's dragging guys for six yards. So, I think that's where it came with Luce with highlighting the skill. But I'm going to give you my quick um, score prediction because then i got to run. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that the Chicago Bears are going to win this game 24-10. to 10. 14 point win. I like that. And I think one of the biggest keys of victory before I lose you here, Lucas, is this defense, you know, while Davis Mills has been a pretty good story for the most part for where he was drafted and what he's done for the Houston Texans, looks like he can actually be that guy at quarterback. Like this is a game like on defense where you have to be like, we we're not letting Davis Mills do what fucking Aaron Rodgers just did to us last league. Like, we're going to make this guy have the worst fucking game of his career. I feel like Travis, like, honestly, I wish my bold prediction could be that Travis Gibson is going to have another two sacks because, like, he has just been unblockable so far this season. And genuinely, dude, Travis Gibson is your favorite player's least favorite player. Well, but, uh, as far as score predictions go, um, well, hold on. Let me let me hype your boy up. Nicholas Mariano asked Eberflus a pretty good question. He said, what, like, Travis Gibson, what do you think of his play and how is it going to – how?" you know, he's behind Muhammad, what's going to help him get more snaps. And he said, Hey, if you produce, you're going to get more plays. So um, I think we're going to see him get a little bit more of a snap share too. 
So I will go. What was your twenty-seven ten? Yeah, I'll no, go twenty-four four. I'll go twenty four fourteen. I think we take a lead early. We kind of we kind of coast on it a little bit. I think the defense plays pretty well, and I feel like Lovey will get to a point where he can't take a field goal. So I feel like that end number is going to be a four. Twenty four fourteen. Justin Fields two passing touchdowns. Dave Montgomery and Cleo Herbert are just consistent fucking offense. One of them is going to get a rushing touchdown, and uh, I feel like the defense just wreaks havoc. Honestly, like this is if anybody is getting called out by Eberflus, like being the defensive guy that he is, because everybody got called out house hall. Like I don't want that to be confused. Eberflus was fucking like I said, shredding fucking Eberfuel before anyone even showed up, just because he's going to rip everyone a new one. But like the defense got it the worst, I guarantee it, and they're all challenged this week. And I think you have a guy like Jack Sanborn, man, who we don't know what he is. Well, I know what he is, but uh, we don't know what he is per se. Yeah, uh, we don't know what he is per se, but like that type of uh, that type of production from the defensive spot could really be like a spark on this defense. You know, like I really feel like Jack jumping into that Matt Adams role. And we can really see like, cause I've been a little bit critical of what Matt Adams can do really being able to see what Matt uh, Jack Sanborn can do with Nicholas Moreau and um, Roquan Smith. If Roquan Smith does end up playing, but anyway, guys, I'm sure you guys noticed that Lucas dropped out. He has, uh, he has to go uh, drive his girlfriend to work. Totally understandable. So uh, I'm going to close this out. Um, yeah, dude, let's get let's get a fucking Chicago Bears dub, guys. Like, I, I really feel like this is our chance to really, really get it going on offense, really get it going on defense. Like, I want I want to wreak havoc on Davis Mills and the Houston Texans offense. I want him to try to throw deep balls to Brandon Cooks that gets intercepted by Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker. And I'm um, really hoping Jalen Johnson and Roquan Smith play, but I guess we will see. Um Regardless, this has been Bears. Uh, this has been barely there. Um, you can follow the pod at barely there pod. Um, I'm Duke Coughlin. You can follow me at at that pod guy Duke. That's where you can always follow me for sure. Um, also, as always, I was joined by Lucas Fetty. You can follow him at Lucas Fetty forty six. Uh, be sure to subscribe on um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You know wherever you get your podcast from. Um, YouTube. Honestly, we've been getting really good. Uh, really good interactions on YouTube. I feel like we just hit a. Uh, 26 subscribers over there which that might not sound like a ton but on youtube that's that's actually pretty good stuff uh youtube's a hard nut to crack but that's something that we're definitely trying to focus on a little bit more um but yeah this has been uh this has been duke coughlin i was joined by luke's fetty and uh we are barely there